And uh, so I believe that God is going to speak to us this morning, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Thank you, Dave, for leading the service and for the worship team, for Hallett, for leading the time of prayer. Just sense the Lord in a, in a wonderful way the whole morning. Wasn't last Sunday wonderful? Jim, thank you for teaching us on standing in the Lord. Do you remember his seven points? First, standing up on the inside, standing down, standing aside, standing apart, standing alone, standing firm. And the seventh point, do you remember the seventh point? Anybody remember? Standing front and center, absolutely. Have have you been standing in the Lord this week? Has the Lord been encouraging you? Have you had new victories this week? You know, I was blessed, and I'm always blessed when I hear Scripture, when when, uh, Jim read that most beautiful of all doxologies, that, in fact, was so wonderful, the reason why we stand to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. That's the reason we are able to stand this morning. Let's just pray for one more moment. Father, thank you for this amazing day that you've made. This is a day that you've made, and we do rejoice. We are so glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that it is because you keep us from falling that we are able to stand, and we'll one day be able to stand before you without fault and with great joy. That's so amazing, and we thank you for it. Thank you, Father, for blessing the remaining minutes of this service. I pray what is of you will penetrate deeply into our spirits, and what is of me will be quickly forgotten in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to speak this morning briefly on what I think is a related subject to what Jim taught on last week. Jim taught on standing in the Lord. I'd like to uh, take that to another point. Standing in the Lord when we go through transitions in life. Has anyone gone through a transition lately? Or are you going through a transition? Or have you ever experienced a transition? Or do you expect you ever will experience a transition? Whoa, I think I'm getting quite quite a few hands here. Transitions happen, as we know, all through our lives. It might be going to school for the first time, moving from one country to another, going to the mission field, coming back from the mission field, getting a promotion, losing a job, going through a very difficult illness, maybe the loss of a loved one, one of the most difficult, most traumatic transitions that we can go through. Uh, Transitions continue to happen at all times. We need to stand in the Lord in those times of transition. Often, or at least sometimes, when we're in a time of transition, it will feel like we are standing alone. 
like no one understands and what, what is really happening here. But we need to stand firm at those times because he who keeps us from falling will keep us standing at those times. I'll give you a, a dictionary uh, definition of transition. Transition is a process or period in which something undergoes a change and passes from one state, stage, form, or activity to another. I've observed transition in the lives of Afghans and Iraqis for the last decade. And we at World Compassion have noted that in those times of transition, there often is a, not always, but there's often a unique opportunity for a presentation of the gospel. And I think we should expect that when we go through our own transitions. Somehow life gets very simple at those points. A lot of things are taken away from us. It's a time to be quiet before the Lord. So if you're in transition, expect the Lord to speak to you in a wonderful way. Allow him to speak to you. More recently now, we also have begun reaching out to Syrian refugees. All of you know that Syria is going through one of the most horrendous civil wars we've seen in our lifetime. It's soon going to be comparable to the genocide in Rwanda of 20 years ago. 100,000 dead already. 1.2 million refugees in surrounding countries. 140,000 are held in uh, concentration camps inside the country. Bashar Assad has used chemical weapons on his own people, and the story goes on and on and on. Just a couple of weeks ago, actually late in June, we were in Kurdistan and met with some of these Syrian refugees. We were at the Domez camp, which is the largest camp in northern Iraq of Syrian refugees. There are about 150,000 Syrian refugees in Iraq alone, and those numbers are continuing to go up uh, daily, I, I expect. <clears throat> Here's the story of just one man. He was a cook in Damascus, probably 25 years old. He said he liked his job. One day, he was walking home after closing up at the restaurant, and a military truck came along and demanded that he and 14 others that just happened to be there get in the truck, and they would be taken, supposedly, to pick up a body. It was all a ruse. They just moved them possibly a few kilometers to a little bit of a more open space. Another couple of trucks came and opened fire and killed every single one of them except the cook. His uh, left arm was shattered, and uh, <clears throat> he had just arrived at Dome's camp. His, his family was there. And he said, you know, I wasn't on anybody's side. I was just trying to work as a cook. And, uh, and this is what happens in our country. He told of unbelievable and almost unmentionable, which I won't, atrocities that are continue to happen. But then his father, who was standing uh, beside him as he was listening to his son tell his story, said, we are happier in this tent than in a five-story beautiful home in Damascus because we're safe here, we're together, we are so thankful. Life gets very simple in times of transition. On that same trip, we were able to deliver food to about 2,000 Syrians in another camp in Koya. 
was amazing about that distribution, at least in my mind, uh, we uh, typically always try to bring some kind of a presentation of the gospel. Uh, there are many other organizations that can do food distribution much better than we can, but in this instance, uh, one of the key guys that we work with, Kojin is his name, was able to preach for a few minutes to 2,000 people standing out in the blazing sun, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, probably 108 degrees outside. And he preaches the gospel, and I am so amazed. I've been in these kinds of distributions many, many times. The people listened. They cheered. They cheered when he finished. They were so open to what, what uh, we had to say. And uh, then we said, you know, there'll be uh, youth Bibles available. There'll be Story of Jesus booklets available. Uh, you don't have to take them if you don't want them, uh, along with the food that we're going to present to you. So for the next three hours, we were sharing food, this wonderful, joyous faces as they received the food. Almost to a person, everyone took a Story of Jesus booklet. And the youth Bibles, they were gone in an hour. I mean, everyone wanted to take them. And many, many stayed and lingered and waited for the distribution to be completed, sitting around, reading their Bibles, reading their Story of Jesus booklets. And Kojin, uh, who we're so proud of, we asked him, Kojin, are we going to see people come to Christ here in this camp? He said, absolutely. Our plan is to bring food on a monthly basis for the next six months to that camp and as God enables to other camps and continue to interact with the people, preach when we can, uh, small groups when we can, and believing that there's going to be, in this time of transition, in this time of crisis, many coming to Christ. This morning, I'd like for us to quickly look at how biblical heroes that we all know so well dealt with transition. The examples are starting from Genesis through Scripture, so I'm going to just pick a few. I'd also like us to just take a, a look at what transition looks like, what it really is, and then how we can stand in a biblical way in a time of transition. You know, uh, I was struck by Susan uh, Hannah's comments in a recent email. She talked about that we would pray for them as they go back to Aswan, and they may travel today or they may not. They're not sure. Uh, she said, pray that we can say our goodbyes well. And here's, here's the last communique that came from them. I want to read it because it'll encourage us to pray for the Hannahs who are in the middle of transition right now. Well, this is from Milad and Susan and Luke and Mark, dated Thursday, August 15th. While our suitcases are mostly packed, we have mostly finished up what we had planned to do this summer. Our refrigerator is mostly empty. We have mostly said our goodbyes, but mostly we need your prayers. Our tickets are for Sunday. We are scheduled to stay in Cairo on Monday night and go to Aswan Tuesday morning. Since the time of our first revolution, we have learned that things don't always happen the way we expect or plan. I guess this is another of those times. This summer, we were excited to learn that our president was no longer president. We were frustrated to learn that the government here 
was taking the side of the Brotherhood, we ahawed as we learned that the gas we didn't have was being stored in underground reservoirs and then trucked through tunnels into Gaza. And then there was yesterday. We were saddened by the deaths of so many. We were shocked by the burning of churches and Christian meeting places, some of which we had spent pleasurable times in. We mourned with friends whose shops, businesses, and homes were robbed. And we are upset by the response of the U.S. government. We are concerned about the future of Egypt. We wait, we watch, listen, and pray. Soon we will need to make a decision about our return. We want to be where God wants us. Please pray that we will have wisdom to know what that means. Thanks so much. Milad, Susan, Luke, and Mark. And we already prayed and will continue to pray, of course, for the Hannahs. They are in transition, and transitions can be unpredictable. Let's look at a few biblical examples. The call of Abram, so familiar to us. Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. The Ur of the Chaldees, where Abram was at that moment, is actually in southern Iraq, not so far from Baghdad, about 100 miles south. There's a U.S. airbase there, and our fighter jets some years ago would take off over Abraham's uh, house, as it were, before he left there. So that point is of kind of interest to some of us. Uh, just like that, everything changed for Abram. Abram left everything that was familiar to him, other than his own immediate family and possessions, and started traveling to a land that God had promised to him. Life as he had known it up to that point ended. He was suddenly walking across the sands of Mesopotamia, to a land that God promised to him, he was in the wilderness. Genesis 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And they said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed God, and he credited to him as righteousness. Abram is continuing to sojourn through the wilderness. He hears God's voice, and he believes God 
And at that moment, he became our father of faith. In the midst of that time of transition in the wilderness, when everything is so uncertain around him, I think there's a lesson for us. We're to believe God in our times of transition. Remember the story of Joseph, one of my favorites. All of us love the story of Joseph. Genesis 37. God showed uh, Joseph two remarkable dreams. One of them, the first one, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers didn't like those dreams for one moment. Joseph had another dream. The sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When his brothers, just a little while later, had an opportunity, they were out in the field near Shechem. They said amongst themselves, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Joseph was sold as a slave. His pleasant life, I believe it was until then, as a shepherd, ended very suddenly. He finds himself on a Midianite camel train as a slave heading to Egypt. But there's one remarkable phrase that repeats as you'll read Joseph's story, and do read it soon. It is so encouraging. We hear this phrase repeated, and the Lord was with Joseph in the midst of that transition, when everything had ended that he loved so much, his family was no longer with him. The Lord was with Joseph. He's uh, purchased by Potiphar and soon prospers in Potiphar's house. He was a brilliant administrator. Potiphar's house and all that was Potiphar's incredibly prospered because of Joseph, because of his gifts. But then there's another ending He's thrown into a prison for nothing he had done for 10 to 13 years. And again, we read, and the Lord was with Joseph. We need to remember that. The Lord is with us in our times of transition. Joseph was sold into slavery at age 17. He rises to be Pharaoh's right-hand man at age 30. Essentially, 13 years of transition, most of it spent in an Egyptian prison for something he was not in one way guilty of. The Lord was with Joseph. Remember the story of Moses. He spent 40 years in the Midian desert near the Sinai, where he would, of course, lead the children of Israel in a few years. 40 years of preparation in the wilderness before he is commissioned by the burning bush experience and others to come back to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. The story of David, the shepherd king, befriended Jonathan early in his life. He's spending much time in the palace, wonderful times with Jonathan, and sometimes good times with Saul, sometimes not so good. Samuel anointed, you remember, David to be king. David knew that 
he in fact would be king of Israel. But in fact, this man that had been anointed king several times, twice, had his life almost end at the end of Saul's spear. He had to run for his life, even run beyond the borders of his country, just to keep soul and spirit together, body and soul, I guess it is, together. And, uh, and then, not until Saul's and Jonathan's demise on a battlefield was David, the anointed king, able to come to the city of David and lead the children of Israel to through one of their most prosperous times in all of history. David wrote of his trust in the Lord during these challenging times. In Psalm 18, he gives thanks to the Lord for deliverance from his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Let me read this. Psalm 18, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death, you might feel like that at times when you're in transition. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I call to the Lord. I cry to my God for help. From his temple he heard me. My voice, my cry, came before him into his ears. He finishes then with these, I won't read the whole psalm, triumphant verses. The Lord lives, I will praise, uh, praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes from violent men who rescued me. You, you rescued me, therefore... I will praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. All the Psalms of David are so amazing. Let me just read another uh, couple of verses here. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Let's look at Joshua really quickly as well. He's about to take charge from a great experienced leader. I think Joshua is feeling inadequate, incapable, ill-equipped promotion in your career can be a very challenging transition, and Joshua was right at that moment. Listen to the word of the Lord to Joshua as he now is the leader of the children of Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you, 
And all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. We need to remember that when we're in transition. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. As Joshua, we as well need to continue to be in God's word at these times, especially at all times, but especially in times of transition. William Bridges wrote a book called Transitions, Making Sense of Life Changes. Jim, is this a book that you're familiar with? Bridges states, the subject of this book is the difficult process of letting go of an old situation, of suffering the confusing, confusing nowhere of in-betweenness, and of launching forth again in a new situation. Bridges says all transitions, that may be an overstatement, I'm not sure, but he says all transitions are composed of first an ending, then a neutral zone, and third, a new beginning. About endings, Bridges says endings must be dealt with if we are to move on to whatever comes next in our lives. The new growth cannot take root on ground still covered with the old habits, attitudes, and outlooks because endings are the clearing process. Let me just read a few more things he says. I think these are helpful thoughts. Uh, Bridges says change and transition are not synonymous. Change can lead to transition, and transition can lead to change, but they are not the same thing. Change is an outward thing. It's like you change a part in your car. If it stops, then you can start going again. You might change your clothes. You might even change the place that you live, whereas transition is something inward. One of the most important differences between a change and a transition is that changes are driven to reach a goal, but transitions start with letting go of what no longer fits or is adequate to the life stage you are in. Transitions are, I think, very difficult for our culture because we are more and more an instant society. I mean, we want it fixed uh, today or at the latest by 5 o'clock tomorrow. I, I've been humored, uh, as I've been thinking about this thought, I just drove by Mazio's at 71st and Lewis. Some of you know that, Mazio's. I wasn't going there, but I just happened to drive by. They now have a quick lunch. You don't even have to go inside. They'll have your pizza right at the window. You just 
take it and you're gone and you're salad, whatever. I mean, you don't even have to hardly stop your car. You know, it's, it's, it's ready for you. I mean, that, isn't that wonderful? That's progress, I think. <laughs> on my bike route, I, I often ride, I expect to ride again tomorrow morning on the Creek Trail across Memorial at 101st. And Bill Knight Ford has uh, one of their places there. And just recently, they built this extra, extra fast quick lube. You know, spend hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, so that you can bring your Lincoln or your Ford or your Mercury or other Ford product and drive into that quick lube. And you can only be there a couple of minutes, and you're on your way. And you don't even have to bring it into the regular service area. I mean, isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's, that's, that's progress. And that's the way we like it here in the USA. We want things or situations fixed today or as soon as possible. Transitions, however, are unpredictable as to how long they will take. Moses essentially was in transition for 40 years in the Midian Desert before he was commissioned to do the great work of his life to lead the children of Israel. David, as we, or Joseph, as we looked at, spent 13 years, most of that in prison, before he saw the vision, the dream, become reality in his life. According to Bridges, it is important, this is really amazing, to let yourself or others in transition to experience an ending. Endings are, let's remember, experiences of dying they are ordeals, and sometimes they challenge so basically our sense of who we are that we believe they will be the end of us. I think when we're at that point, there is kind of a tendency to try to fix it and go back to where we were. But if God has really brought an end to that season, we need to go through that dying experience, knowing that we are in transition, and transition is not a destination. It's just a, a moment that we go through. I've got some nods here in the front row here. The neutral zone is the second part of transition, according to Bridges. Bridges says, this is where we do the real work of transition. This is a time of letting go of excess baggage. Without quite knowing why, people in the middle of transition tend to find ways of being alone and away from all the familiar distractions, perhaps a weekend in a board cabin or a lake, or getting away over an extended period of time to be alone. Jesus and Moses and many of the other patriarchs spent amazing amounts of time in the wilderness before they were ready for their most important missions. The neutral zone can be a time of reflection. It can be a time even of doing some autobiographical writing to, to kind of look at where have you come from, how has God led you this far, it might be a time to do that. The neutral zone is a time when the real business of transition takes place. It is a time when inner reorientation and realignment are occurring, a time when we are making the all but imperceptible shift from one season of life to the next. Although such shifts cannot occur without an ending, and although, they, um, and although they cannot bear fruit without a new beginning, it is in the neutral zone that the real work of transformation takes place. I think in our society, we like to think of transitions like 
crossing a street. You know, you came to the street, you want to get across that transition as fast as possible because it's dangerous out there and you, you, don't, want to, you don't want to feel the pain, you want to get out and get through. But uh, we, in fact, do need God to do what he wants to do in our life to work that transition. And then finally, there is a new beginning. Bridges says, endings and beginnings, emptiness and germination in between. That is the shape of transition periods in our lives. He says, until you are really ready, you probably won't make a real beginning. But when the time comes, stop getting ready to do it and just do it. And you'll know that inside if that time of transition, reorientation has been worked in your life. Romans 12 says, uh, I believe transition can be a time of metamorphosis. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me just... uh, finish by reading a few passages from Scripture about biblical responses to dealing with transition. Jesus is our example, of course, when we are in the wilderness in a desert place of transition. We need to continue to remember that God's word never changes. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. In Luke 4, we read of Jesus Uh, being led into the desert. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him an instant in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And again, Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Did you notice that when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to the desert, he went in the power of the Spirit, but when he returned, uh, he went full of the Spirit, but when he returned from the wilderness 40 days later, he came in the power of the Spirit. Throughout his time in the desert, Jesus continued to hold on to that unchangeable reality, the Word of God. 
Let me just now read some various passages from Scripture that we can take comfort in, gain strength from, and be instructed by in our times of transition. It's difficult to not include uh, more of David's psalms. Let's read Psalm 31, just parts of it. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, since you are my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Those were the words Jesus spoke as he uh, breathed his last on the cross. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not abandoned me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the streets flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. Where I hear the slander of many, there is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Then David says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine upon me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Job, in the midst of his great trial, his wilderness experience, wrote, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him, yet will I trust in him. You know, sometimes we just don't understand all that is happening. Isaiah 55, 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It is important for us to continue to seek godly counsel in times of transition. Psalm 15:22. plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 16:3. roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. There are times for listening, much time for listening, often in times of transition and asking God for wisdom. James 1.19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to him. Hebrews 10.25 is an admonition for all of us, whether we're in transition or not. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to be rooted in our church family. We need to be here 
every time we have a service, if at all possible. We need to remember that when God brings an ending to an old thing, as we trust him, he will bring forth a new thing, a new vision, a new assignment, a new mission. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up for you. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Again, this is a time to remember that we are not alone. God himself is with us, strengthening us as we go through our transition. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 Corinthians 15.58, therefore, my brothers, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We have an anchor for our soul. Hebrews 6, 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Can I tell you one more story and then a final scripture? The story of Ruth and Boaz. I've read that passage a couple of times yesterday. One of the most amazing, amazing stories, as you'll remember, Naomi and her husband uh, went from Israel to Moabite country. There was a famine in the land. They had two sons. They married Moabite women, Ruth being one of them. Emelik died. The husbands died. And Ruth and uh, Naomi have a conversation. Here's how it goes. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And so the story goes, and they return to Bethlehem. And uh, as it happens, Ruth is picking up grain in Boaz's field. And you know how then Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, marries Ruth, and Ruth's account finishes with these words. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amenadab, 
Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz. Boaz, of course, the husband of Ruth. Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of, of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, on to the birth of Christ. So in even the most difficult of transition, if we will trust the Lord, he will make a way for us. This last verse, his divine power, Bill preached on this some weeks ago, Second Peter 1, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The transition is not the destination. Abraham was promised the promised land, but he was looking for a city not built by human hands. Can I pray for you? Anybody who's especially going through a time of transition, if you want to stand, I'd like to pray for you. Father, our hearts are amazed as we recall in an overview way how you have walked with the patriarchs of old, Jesus' example, the apostles, all who have gone through great trials and tribulations, times of transition, and how they have held on to your word, known that you never Leave them or forsake them. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are now in the midst of transition. Lord, that you would greatly encourage them, that they would find themselves spending just generous time alone with you in your word, meditating on the truth of the scriptures, knowing that the transition is not the destination, that you are doing a new thing in their lives, and in your time, you will put them in that place that you've already spoken to them about. Father, thank you that you did that for Joseph as he was patient in a prison for perhaps 10 years, 13 years. Father, we know that what you've spoken to us, you will continue to perfect until the day of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray now you bless 
my brothers and sisters, greatly encourage them. May they continue to be faithful. May they continue to uh, give themselves fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless them and we, we rejoice over every thought of them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a really, really great day.